0: Andrew Womack Ministries presents this message titled Word Controlled Attitude. We pray that the Word of God will come
1: alive in your heart as you listen.
0: Praise the Lord. Well tonight I want to share we've been talking about a miracle and about how to receive a miracle from God and tonight I want to share some things with you that This has just revolutionized my life. It came over a period of time. It didn't come to pass all at once. I'm going to be giving you about 25 years' worth of seeking the Lord and some things that the Lord has shown me, and I'm going to be trying to compress it, so it's going to be a little bit of an overkill. I don't expect anybody to really grab 100% what I'm talking about tonight and be able to walk in it and apply it. But if it just opens up a window for you, if it gives you a vision so that, praise God, you can take it and begin to search it out and let it become a part of you, then that'll be a tremendous benefit but in the area of receiving a miracle from god we talked about a number of things that it is god's will the basics of just believing god going back to the word of god you got to plant the seed in your heart you can't get a crop if you never sow the seed we talked about uh last night what did we talk about last night it was good (laughs) what to do when your prayers seem unanswered that's what it was about what's happening in the spiritual realm, in between when you pray and say amen and then you say there it is. What's going on? An understanding of that really helps. And here's something that I believe that the Lord has really used in my life and it'll help you. And I don't know the exact way to describe this um, in a simple way, so I'll ramble around and before the night's over you'll get what I'm talking about, amen. But it's a mindset. It's an attitude. And that is that the Lord got across to me that everything is already done. It's already accomplished in the Spirit. And I've got that mindset that I am not trying to get God to do anything. All I'm doing is receiving something that is already a reality and it's already provided in the Spirit. And that mindset right there, that may not click with you, but stick with me and tonight hopefully we'll get it across. That mindset has made the difference between victory and defeat for me. I couldn't tell you how many times. There was an instance where my son Joshua got sick when he was nine months old and uh, it was a severe sickness. It looked like he was going to die for two or three days. He hadn't even moved. We would cram food down him and he'd just throw it up. He was running a high fever Never took his temperature to find out how bad it was. Didn't go to the doctor. But, I mean, the devil was fighting me with thoughts that, boy, Joshua was dying. It looked like it. It was close. And it's a very long story, but I stood in faith the best I knew. My friend came over and rebuked the fire out of me and got on my case. And as a result, I got with it, and he got healed. So that was positive. But the next year, on the exact same day, the exact same symptoms came back. And we could see the exact same thing happening to him. And I mean, all of that memory came back. All of this fear came back on us. And we started dealing with it. And I was determined it wasn't going to get critical again. I started fasting. I prayed. I was doing all of these things. And he was just, it was just exactly like the last time. Things were progressively getting worse. And I finally, instead of just doing this, I calmed myself and I said, God, something's wrong. I know that this is not the way you do things. What's wrong? And the Lord dropped in my heart he says, you're fighting to get Joshua healed instead of fighting because he is healed. And uh, boy, that just made a change in my attitude. All of a sudden, I realized that he's, we aren't the sick that are trying to get healed. We are the heal, and Satan is trying to steal from me what is rightfully mine. And some of you may say, well, what's the difference? I was still fasting, I was still praying, I was still rebuking the devil, I was still confessing my faith, I was doing exactly the same thing, but my attitude was 100% changed. I saw myself already blessed, already healed, and I wasn't sick. Satan was trying to take from me what was already mine in Christ. It's easier to defend something that you've already got than it is to go get something that you don't have. That mindset made an immediate difference in me. Within 10 minutes, Joshua was healed after I saw that we were the healed and Satan was trying to steal our healing from us. And that mindset has just totally changed everything. And yet I find that most Christians, they believe that God has the power to heal them or prosper them or deliver them or whatever, and they will seek the Lord in those areas, but they start from a position of defeat. They start from a position saying, Oh, God... I'm so discouraged, I'm so depressed. Well, you've already stepped out of the Word who the Bible says that you are. You've embraced defeat. You've started from defeat. You just, in effect, put yourself over in the enemy camp. And now you're working towards victory. I'm not saying you can't get it that way, but I'm saying you've already embraced something. See, contrary to what God's Word says, you're starting from a position of unbelief instead of starting from a position of faith. That's good. Some of you aren't getting this. You're saying, but wait a minute. That's what I am. I mean, if I'm sick, I'm sick. And I've got to admit I'm sick and I've got to work towards healing. Well, here is the explanation of what I'm trying to talk about. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty three. Let's look at this scripture. First Thessalonians five, verse twenty three. Paul said this, "...and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly." W-H-O-L-L-Y. That means completely or entirely. "...and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus." He prayed here that your whole spirit, soul, and body would be preserved blameless. Now, this scripture, among many others, this is very clear reference shows that you've got a spirit, soul, and body. You are not just one of the other or not just two. Most people have heard somebody refer to spirit, soul, and body. And so most Christians, if you ask them and say, yes, I've got a spirit, soul, and body. But as far as practical goes, as far as we apply it in our life and in our actions, very few people understand the concept of spirit, soul, and body. Most of us deal as if we are two parts. There's the physical body, which is very easy to discern what that is, and then there's the emotional part, the personality part on the inside. Everybody is aware of that. There are times that your physical body doesn't hurt. Nobody may touch you physically, and yet they can come up and say something to you and you hurt on the inside. So it's easy to discern the physical and the emotional or the personality part of us, and most of us are in tune with that. We can feel the personality part. We understand that. We, re- we react to it. But there's a whole other part of us, the spirit man, that most people may acknowledge that it exists, but as far as knowing what is true in the spirit and what your spirit is like, there's not one out of a thousand Christians that really have that knowledge and apply it on a regular basis in their life. And yet, the spirit is the part of us, the only part of us that's born again. We'll use terminology like, "Well, I came to see a soul saved. I believe in in saving souls." There's only twice that I'm aware of in the New Testament that the Bible soul, I mean that the Bible refers to your soul being saved. Somebody say one? Or come on. Somebody corrected me? Oh. Oh, come on. All right. I thought I was wrong. I believe first the first chapter of the book of James says, Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And in Hebrews chapter I believe it is, I'm not sure the verse number around verse 30 or something says, uh, You are not of those that draw back unto perdition, but those that believe to the saving of the soul. So those are the two instances that soul salvation is talked about. And soul salvation is not the born again experience. The born again experience, your soul doesn't get saved because 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God. Now, that's not talking about your physical body. Because if you were fat before you got saved, you're going to be fat after you get saved. Amen? That's not part of you The old things passed away and all things become new. We've got a promise that we're going to receive a glorified body. But at this moment, you have the exact same physical body. I mean, it, it can lose weight, it can lose hair, it can gain weight, it <laughs> doesn't gain hair. <laughs> But basically, you got the same physical body that you had before you got saved. It can fluctuate, but it's still a physical body, and you do not yet have that glorified body. And Paul also said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, Now we know in part, and we prophesy in part. And so he says, But then we'll know all things, even as also we are known. We don't have that yet. You still got the same physical mind, the emotions, the will, the personality part of you, is still the same with the exception that it can be influenced and changed. It can be renewed, but you basically still have your personality. That is not the part of you that old things passed away and all things become new. And again, see, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. that's a scripture that a lot of people know, but when it comes to applying it in your life, it doesn't seem to fit our experience, and so a lot of people just kind of file that away as, well, here's another scripture that, you know, who knows what God means. It doesn't work. It doesn't apply in my daily life. You know, when I teach on this on the radio, we have our uh, prisoner response double or triple every time I teach on spirit, soul, and body. Because prisoners, many of them made a commitment to the Lord, and it's because their circumstances are so bad. They get desperate, they are looking for help. So they pray, and the person who led them to the Lord, if you get born again, you'll become a new creature. Old things will pass away, all things become new. And it's not always stated, but many times they just take it for granted that that means, praise God, I'm getting out of here, that all of my temptations, my problems, my lust, my desires that used to operate in me, they're going to be over when I get born again. So they pray the prayer and many of them really mean it and yet they wake up, they're still in prison, they still have lust, they still have wrong thoughts, they still get angry, they find out that in a lot of ways they're exactly the same and yet here was the promise that if I make Jesus my Lord, I'll be a new person and immediately they come into confusion. And you'll find a lot of people in prison are really guilt ridden and condemned, like I'm not changed. And when I teach on this, that it's your spirit that was born again, I mean they just flood in wanting these tapes and stuff, and it sets them free. I believe that the average person outside also is in bondage. And we're in prison many times, to th- and we don't understand. We see the Bible talking about that we are more than conquerors, and we go look in the mirror. Say, man, I don't look like more than a conqueror. I don't smell like it. I don't feel like it. And the Bible's just so hard to understand. It's because the Bible is written about your spirit, man. The spirit's a part of you that got born again. The Bible says that you're righteous. We go look in the mirror and think, this is righteous. This is holy. This is as good as it gets. And we say, well, the Bible's so hard to understand. There's some keys to it. When the Bible talks about you being perfect, when you, it talks about you being complete, you having all power and all authority, like First John chapter 2, verse 20 says, you have an unction from the Holy One. Talking about Jesus, an unction is a special anointing or endowment of power. And you know all things. Boy, what an awesome statement. If we could believe that, it would revolutionize your life. How many times do you just blunder through life making decisions saying, well, you don't, you don't ever know, you just do the best you can. And there's many times that we know that we're probably making a wrong decision, but after all, we're only human. We even sing songs about that. Lord, I'm only human. I'm just a man. Yuck. That'll put a mindset on the inside of you that'll destroy you. We aren't only human. The Lord told us He would even show us things to come. Did you know a Christian ought to know what the future brings? If you businessmen would apply these truths in your life, I guarantee you it wouldn't matter what the economy does, whether it goes up and down, sideways, regardless of what the economy does, the stock market does. God will tell you in advance. God's will is for you to prosper. And if you'd listen to the Holy Ghost, you can prosper, prosper, prosper. A Christian ought to be prospering hand over fist. And yet many of us are stumbling through and making the exact same mistakes that the world makes. Why? Because we're thinking like the world thinks. The Bible says you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. People read that and they say, but I don't know. See, they search their emotional. They search their mental realm and they say it isn't there. The way to understand this is that in your spirit you know all things. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says you have the mind of Christ. Is that just a phrase? Is that just uh, something that is, is symbolic or is it actual? Well, people start, they'll say, do I have the mind of Christ? They'll take some kind of a quiz. And if they make an 80 on it, well, they know that God doesn't make 80s. And so they just say, I don't understand this. It's because you took, the brain, you took the quiz with your physical brain and it's your spirit that knows all things. You've got the perfect mind of Christ on the inside of you. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 says, Put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You've got the exact same knowledge on the inside of you that Jesus has. Your spirit knows everything that Jesus knows. Somebody says, well, what good does that do me? It's in my spirit, not in my brain. Well, knowing that it's in your spirit is 90%. Just knowing that the deposit's been made is 90% of the battle. And then when you come into a crisis situation, instead of throwing your hands up and saying, well, Lord, I'm only human... I'm just a man, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking of you. Instead of singing stuff like that, you'll say, no, there's, there's an answer. God knows what to do and he's now deposited that on the inside of me and then you operate in what 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks about. When you pray in an unknown tongue, your spirit prays, the part of you that's renewed in knowledge and has the perfect wisdom of God and then you operate in what verse 13 says. If you pray in tongues, pray that you interpret You start praying in tongues, the hidden wisdom of God comes out and say, God, give me interpretation of that. What is my spirit praying? Amen. What's this wisdom? And all of a sudden, you'll get quickened and knowledge will begin to come to you. You'll get revelation knowledge. God will begin to direct you. But you won't do that if you don't, first of all, know that it's there. See, we start over here, oh, God, I just don't know what to do. You've already admitted defeat. Now, that doesn't mean you have to stay there and you may ball and squall your way over here to victory but you've already started from a position of defeat. You didn't believe what God said about you. Why? Because you couldn't feel it or see it in your emotional realm. Most of us don't know who we are in the Spirit. Most of us don't know what we've got in the Spirit. We're dealing only in the physical and emotional realm, and we're trying to change those things. That's bondage. You are not a physical and emotional person primarily. You are a born-again person and you now have the Spirit and the life of God living on the inside of you. And the key to the Christian life is learning how to walk in the Spirit which what most people call walking in the Spirit is being spooky. That means you go around and you always got this sick look on your face or your hands are always folded or you're always doing something religious or who knows what being in the Spirit is to some people. That's always walking around praying in tongues or something else. Being in the Spirit is just you are living your life based on spiritual truth and spiritual reality instead of physical truth. What is spiritual truth and reality? How do you know what's true in the Spirit? Well, you get into prayer and you spend so much time in the Spirit that you just are become spiritual. No, that will get you into the demonic realm. Amen. I guarantee you, you start trying to push into the Spirit realm and you just spend time in prayer and it doesn't matter if you start off praying to God. You just get into prayer and get into the Spirit and make yourself available to the Spirit and you'll get off into something weird and flaky every single time. The word John 6:63 6, says the words that I speak unto you they are spirit and they are life. You want to know what spiritual truth? This is spiritual truth. You open it up and whatever you see in there that's the way it is in the spirit. I don't care what your emotions tell you. The Bible says in James chapter 1 that if a man looks into a glass talking about a mirror He beholds himself and goes his way, but he forgets what manner of man he is. But it talks about looking in a mirror to see what your physical representation is. Did you know that you've never seen the top of your head? Some of you say, Oh, I have. I've looked in a mirror. No, what you saw was a reflection. You saw a representation of it. You've never actually seen it. How do you know you've got a top of your head? How do you really know what your face looks like? Well, I've seen a picture, or I've, well, all you've seen is a reflection or some representation. You have never with your physical eyes seen your face. All you've ever seen is a reflection. Somebody say, "Well, I can feel it." Well, again, you didn't see it. You, you just got some information about it, and you've learned to trust those things. Well, it's the exact same thing with the Word of God. God's word is a mirror. You know, if I want to see if my hair's combed, I have no idea if my hair's combed right now. Matter of fact, when I walked out of the hotel, the wind was, boys, it's probably not combed and I, I forgot to go look in a mirror. So I have no idea. I can't tell by feeling if my hair's combed. But did you know if I wanted to find out, I'd have to go look in a mirror. I can't trust my feelings. You know, right now I could start talking to you and I could say... Are you sure your hair's combed? I could get you to thinking about it and every last one of you would start thinking, my hair's messed up, and you'd have to go look at it to find out. Your feelings cannot be trusted. You can't go by feelings. You have to go by something factual. Well, sometimes you don't feel what God's Word says about you. Here's a brother combing his hair over here. (laughs) (laughs) Pointed you out in front of all these people. See, you go to talking about it, all of a sudden, what is truth? What is reality? Well, sometimes you, you don't feel like, well, I don't feel like I got the victory. Who cares? Well, brother, that's, if I don't feel it, I'm not. Who said? One of the biggest lies that's ever come to the body of Christ is, but this is the way I feel. Who cares? Did you know feelings aren't fact? And feelings aren't based on that. Most of us think, but this is just the way it is. I mean, I feel this way. That's reality. No, your feelings are subject to all kinds of things. The way you feel is not true. I can prove that to you. I could tell you right now. I could come up to you and tell you a bold-faced lie and say that your husband or your wife or father or mother or somebody is dead. I just got a call and they were killed in a car wreck. And I could be lying to you. No shred of truth in it whatsoever. But did you know if you believed what I said, you would experience sorrow, grief, panic, anger, something. There would be a reaction based on a total lie. Your feelings aren't based on fact. The person may still be alive. There is no factual reason. There is nothing physical, chemical that makes you feel that way. It's how you perceive truth that controls your feelings. Your feelings are based on perception, not on fact. The fact of the matter is you are a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. You are totally above only and not beneath. You've got the same power in you that Jesus Christ had. Man, I wish I had time to explain that one. Ephesians chapter 1, so he's praying a prayer and he prays. What, what is he praying? Oh God, give him more. God, just give him a double portion. We always have double portion nights. You're going to get a double portion of this. I've had that prophesied over me a million times, and that's an exaggeration, but a lot of times. I'm going to have a double portion. God's going to give you twice as much. And you know, The truth is, i got everything I'm ever going to get through Jesus. I can't get more. Now, I can operate in twice as much as I've ever operated in. I can draw it out, but I can't get any more in me than what I've got. I'm full. Some of them say, well, I'm not full. Well, in your emotions you aren't full, but in your spirit, man, your spirit is as complete and holy and perfect and pure and righteous right this moment as it will ever be throughout eternity. Most Christians have this concept that when I go to be with the Lord, then I'm going to become something. The truth is that one-third of your salvation is already complete. Your spirit is complete. It has no lacks or inadequacies. It's got the same faith in it that Jesus Christ had when he walked this earth. The same faith that raised Lazarus from the dead is already on the inside of you. You don't need more faith. What you need to do is get to where you're going by the faith you've got instead of by your feelings. You can't draw out something if you don't even know it's there. See, if you don't understand what we're talking about, if you don't get this mindset that in Christ I've already got it and it's not a matter of me going and getting it, it's a matter of me releasing what God's already deposited in me through Christ. If you don't have that mindset, then when you come up against a problem and you know it's going to take faith, more faith in what you've ever operated in, then all the devil's got to do is say, sure, it'll work for somebody else, but not for you. You're inadequate. You can't do it. And most Christians will jump right in there and begin to say, Oh, God, I just don't have enough faith. You've immediately denied what the Bible already says. You aren't believing the image that the Bible is putting in front of you. You start from defeat hoping to go to victory. It's a lot easier just to stand there in victory and say, Father, I don't feel it. I don't see it. I don't see any physical evidence, but your word says I'm more than a conqueror. That I've already got all of the faith I need. I can't feel any faith, but I believe I've got it because that's what your word says.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, you start from that position, and faith will begin to increase and flow through you, and you'll operate in more faith. But see, we start from, uh, we, we deny what God's word says. Our mindset is contrary to God's word. We go by feelings and emotion and our physical perception. We come into church, and I don't know how many times I've heard this prayed. People will get together and they'll say, Oh, Lord, we ask you to be with us tonight. Oh, God, just be here. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit. All those things sound religious. We've all heard it prayed, but it's unscriptural. The Bible says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Now, what's God going to do? Leave, break his word, deny his promise so that he can answer your prayer and come back? <laughs> We start from a position of unbelief. God's Word said He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And not only is He just present here with a little bit, it says when two or three are gathered together, there's a special presence and anointing of God. I tell you, any time two of God's kids get together, He's there to deliver somebody. He's there to flow in all of His power. And you don't have to ask God to come. So why do we do it? Well, I didn't feel it. I hadn't felt God move in this church in 30 years. That's just because of your perception. God, Well, He may not have moved, but He's always been present because He said He would be. And then we'll pray things like, Oh God, we ask You to go with us throughout this. Just go with us as we leave the church service today and protect us. God said He'd never leave you nor forsake you. He's always with you. He said He's already given His angels charge over you. Now what's God going to do to answer a prayer like that? It's total religion. It's religious. It is not factual, and we're starting from a position of unbelief trying to get God to do something He's already promised He'd do, and then we wonder why we didn't see God protect us because you never believed what He said in the first place. Well, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. (laughs) See, it's a mindset. Well, but I'm sick. Who said you're sick? Well, my body says I'm sick. Well, what makes your body right? (laughs) Most people have never questioned it. Well, if I feel it, if this is what the tests show, I mean, that's the way it is. Physical truth is the ultimate truth, not so. Spiritual reality can exist right next to physical reality, and if you'll believe the spiritual, the physical will have to change. Spiritual truth is greater than physical truth. It's true that at times my body doesn't feel healed. But I've just learned that I don't care what my body feels like. It's going to act healed. It's going to walk healed. It's going to talk healed. I'm going to be healed whether where I feel like it or not. (laughs) Some people, brother, you're weird. How can you do that? You can't be something that you aren't. Well, I'm not being something that I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm just being who I am in the Spirit. I've learned that in Christ Jesus I'm a new creature and my new person doesn't get depressed. Did you know that your spirit has never been depressed? There's some of you that suffer with depression, discouragement, mood swings, and you've accepted... Our society today has a physical cause for everything. Alcoholism is no longer a character flaw. There's a chemical reason that you're this way. It's a sickness. Homosexuality is not something that is a moral weakness. You were born this way. It's just a natural mindset. God made some of you that way. That's not so. God never made Adam and Steve. It was Adam and Eve, amen. <laughs> God didn't make anybody that way. Well. We got an excuse for everything. But the truth of the matter is that in your spirit, man, see, those things, don't, they don't matter. They're a spiritual truth. When your body says you're sick, your spirit's saying you're blessed. When you're depressed and discouraged and things are coming on you, I'm not denying that that happens and I'm not denying that there is a feeling of depression, but I'm saying that your spirit's never depressed. The Bible tells you what your spirit's like. Remember John six sixty three: the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. What does God's word say? Well, Galatians five twenty two, among many others, says that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. That's what's in your spirit and your spirit's always like that. Your spirit's always rejoicing and praising God. Your spirit is never discouraged. Your spirit is never depressed. Your spirit never gets defeated. Your spirit is, does not have fear. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's the way you are in your spirit. And did you know that the first step to experiencing that in your flesh and in your emotions is to first of all know what's true in your spirit? Since I've learned this, see, and I know that in my spirit, my spirit man's always rejoicing and praising God. Then when I get tempted to get discouraged, I sit down and I say, well, God, I just, I feel like having a pity party. I mean, I feel like doing it. Sometimes you think it feels good. It never does. But you think it would just feel, I I owe it to myself to get depressed. But since I learned this, see, now I'll sit down and say, well, I've got a choice. Am I going to go with my feelings and go what I feel like or am I going to go with who I really am in Christ Jesus? And when I have that knowledge, I've never consciously ever just said, all right, I know who I am, but I want to gripe and complain. (laughs) Now that I know I've got the ability, see, I always choose that I'm going to be who I am in Christ. I don't care what my feelings or emotions are like. Some of you are thinking, man, this is crazy. You can't do that. You just can't overrule your emotions. You can. One of the lies that our generation has swallowed through psychology, philosophy, is that emotions are all important. That that is the most important thing. You've got to feel good. And brothers and sisters, it's a lie. It's a deception. We are one of the few cultures on the face of the earth that has ever had enough prosperity that we could worry about feeling good. Most people are just trying to survive. But our affluence has made us to where not only can we just survive, and now we've got nice houses and all that, we've got to have a zing all the time. Man, we've got to always be entertained. We've got to have an emotion. We've got to maintain some level of emotional thing that God never even intended you to operate under. Boy, I could camp here for weeks and never get off of this, but let me apply it in the spiritual realm. Did you know that most of us are looking for some kind of an emotional relationship with God that God doesn't even want you to have? Boy, I hope I'm shocking the fire out of you. There are people that are trying to be so intimate, so intense with the Lord, have a relationship where they are just constantly overwhelmed with the love of God. And and it sounds good, the desire is good, but actually you are trying to maintain an emotional level that I don't believe you can sustain through Scripture. You can't find examples of people that lived at that level and that is not the way that God intended you to be. Women are more prone to this even than men because a woman is more emotional than a man is. As a general rule, there's exceptions, but as a general rule, that's true. And you'll find out that people are looking to maintain this level of intensity. In our prayer time, man, you have an experience where God is so real, and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I am not saying that you don't ever have those times and that God doesn't want you to experience Him. One of the, one of the drawbacks, see, of being Spirit-filled, Pentecostal, is that most of us came out of a denominational realm that actually taught there is no such thing as an emotional joy and peace and things like this. it was all mechanical, there was no emotion all of a sudden, you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I mean boy, you talking about come alive when you start feeling the presence of God and the move of God in your life it 'll make you come alive i 've had some awesome things i 've had i won 't tell you all the things i 've had, but i 've had physical encounters where i 've encountered the lord physically i 've had emotion one night in Vietnam. I prayed all night long, and when I woke up, I had cockroaches over every inch of my body. I'd been that way all night long, but I was in the presence of the Lord. I never knew it. I never cared. I've been in the presence of the Lord. I've been that way for four and a half months to where one time, I honestly, when the Lord first got baptized in the Holy Ghost, when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, for four and a half months, I didn't consciously eat or sleep. Now, I know I did, but I mean, it was just... I never sat down to a meal. I was so excited about being in the presence of God. Who could stop being in the presence of God to eat? I'd grab something as I went by. I didn't consciously sleep. I remember walking out the door one morning and I hadn't slept in like two days, but I was in the presence of the Lord. Who could go to sleep when God Almighty's is fellowshipping with you? And I just was passing by and I was so sleepy, I thought, I'm just going to rest here for a second. And I leaned against the door case and then it was two hours later before I woke up. I mean, just stop for a second and you fall asleep. I was in the presence of the Lord. I didn't know that anything exists. I had a horse I rode every day of my life before that. And it was four and a half months later before I even thought about that horse. I didn't know if anybody had fed the horse, if it was still alive. I just literally was enveloped in the presence of God. And, you know, I've had people listen. I could give you a lot of stories about what God did in my life. That was March the 23rd, 1968. I had an incredible emotional experience with the Lord. I've shared this experience with a lot of people, and I've had people come up and say, Would you pray for me that God would reveal His love to me and make Himself that real? And, you know, I've gotten to a place that, No, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. It'll ruin you. Amen. Man, I just don't understand. I'd give anything to have that. Did you know I've met a lot of people? I've been around. I've been in the ministry since 1968. And people that have had real emotional experiences like I had and have had experienced the Lord in such an emotional way that I mean literally I could reach out and touch the Lord. Very few people, one out of a thousand, ten thousand, will ever survive it. It'll ruin you because you become so emotionally excited. Your emotions get so blessed that God does not want you to live on that level. Now, I'm not saying that i believe God loves me any less. My knowledge of God's love is a thousand times stronger, but my emotions are different. You cannot sustain emotions. Boy, y'all are looking at me like strange. My wife and I, We have a great emotional love. God's done some great things. But I guarantee you, I feel differently about my wife now than I did when we got married. When we got married, we used to sit around and just look at each other and grin and just get so excited. When we first got married, we'd just chase each each other through the house. I remember the first week we were married, I was chasing her and she backed into a door and hit her bottom on the door. And when she did, she fell and I landed on her toe and broke it. Had to pray for her to be healed and she wouldn't... She wouldn't let me pray for her until I repented and confessed it as sin. <laughs> God healed her. But we she used to do things like that. We'd sit around and just giggle with each other. You know, I love my wife a thousand times more than I did when we got married, and yet I do not sit around and just look at Jamie and giggle at her anymore. Somebody says, well, see, you've lost the spark out of your marriage. Not so, I guarantee you. I, my love for Jamie is a thousand times stronger, but it's different. She mature. And some people, without knowing this, they get tormented. They go back and they think, oh, the sparks left our light. And you're trying to maintain some emotional level. And uh, the movies will portray that. They don't, you know, they show Prince Charming coming, sweeping the lady off of her feet. And they ride off into the sunset. And they live happily ever after. That's not the way it is and you get that mindset, you get this emotional thing that is not based in reality that came from shows, came from all kinds of other things, and you try and maintain some kind of level like that, and that's one reason that homes are falling apart right and left because you've got an unrealistic opinion. You just want to always be with Prince Charming. You want him to come home every day and just fall at your feet and throw roses, and you've got this idea that is not practical. And it's destroying homes. Satan is and making you think, well, he doesn't really love me because if he did, he'd act like so-and-so in the movies. It's destroying homes. And see, when I had this experience, I literally, I mean, I'd wake up. I'd go to sleep and wake up in an hour and the presence of the Lord would be so strong I couldn't go back to bed. I never watched television or listen to a radio for four and a half months. Who wanted to do anything like that when God Almighty was here? I mean, it was real to me. I had such an emotional relationship with God. You'd think I'd lived happily ever after. Did you know I got drafted and went to Vietnam? And in Vietnam, I never got into sin. I never did any of that stuff. But over there, I can't give you all the reasons. I'm not telling you theologically why this happened, but I just lost it. I wasn't able to maintain it, and I got so depressed, not because I was in sin, not because of Vietnam. It would have been the same thing here. It made no difference where I was, but I just lost it. I couldn't feel the presence of the Lord anymore. And after that great experience, I went through about a month and a half of asking God to kill me. Not because I was displeased with God, but because I loved him so much and because I wanted that relationship back that God, if I can't have it, I'll die. I don't want to live. And I didn't die. I knew I nearly got killed twice in one day and the Lord finally showed me, you need to quit praying that prayer. Satan's going to kill you. So I came off of it. But I didn't feel any differently. And I went through all of my time in Vietnam not feeling the blessing of the Lord. And there were songs going around then like, Victory in Jesus, I've got the victory, you've got the victory, we've all got the victory now. I wouldn't sing those songs in Vietnam because I said, I'm not going to sing something that's a lie. I may not be walking in victory, but one thing I will not be is a hypocrite. I don't feel blessed, I don't feel happy, I don't feel joyful. And so I was going to be honest. Man, when I got out and the Lord began to start opening my eyes, I found out that my spirit was rejoicing, jumping up and down, doing flip-flops the whole time. It was my emotions that didn't feel blessed. But in my spirit, my spirit was always full of love and joy and peace. and I could have been rejoicing, but see, I was bound by my emotions. That emotional experience with God nearly ruined me. Most of us are seeking something that if God gave you what you wanted, it would destroy your spiritual life. You'd quit walking by faith. You'd be 100% in feelings. There's some of you that know from the Word that God loves you, that He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You preach that to other people. You know God loves you. You know it. There is not a doubt in your mind, but you don't feel it. And there's some of you that because you don't feel it, will cry and you'll come and say, Brother, I just don't feel the love of God. Who cares? Well, I care. That's all important. No, it isn't. You need to get to a place to where I don't care. God, you've already sent your son. He died. He went to hell. He suffered for me. God forbid that I reject that because I'd rather have a goose bump. That's what people are saying. Oh, I know God loves me, but I want to feel it. Grow up. We need to start operating on fact. We need to start making our emotions obey us and serve us instead of letting them dominate us. See, I finally, after, I mean, 13 months in Vietnam of being miserable, asking God to kill me, etc., I finally just decided, God, I'm going to have to live. I know it's not your will that I commit suicide. I've got to live. And I couldn't live the way I was. I said, I'm going to come out of this thing. And the only thing I knew how to do was study the Word and pray. So every morning at 6 o'clock, I'd go to the bunker and I'd pray from 6 o'clock until 9 o'clock, sometimes 12 I'd force myself. Sometimes I'd be miserable, but I'd just pray anyway. And then I'd read the Word at least 10 hours, sometimes 16 hours a day the rest of the time, and I just forced myself. I hated it. There was times that, man, I felt like I'd rather do anything. I want to feel something. I don't want to be reading and forcing myself to pray. I just disciplined myself, and I started doing it. And did you know the Word started providing the zing for me that my emotions used to? I started getting revelation and recognizing, man, look at this. And I got excited about the Word. And I began to start having the Word provide the stability. Now it's come to a place that if I want to see if my hair combed, i go look in a mirror. But if I want to see how I'm feeling, somebody says, how are you? Instead of feeling my emotions, well, is everything going all right? Am I doing okay? Now look in the Word. How am I? Amen. Well, I'm blessed. That's what the Bible says. So that's the way I am. You ask me how I am, I'm going to tell you what God's Word says. Well, I'm doing better preaching than you are listening. <laughs> this is awesome. Our society needs this. We're captive to our emotions and to our feelings. And people say, but I just don't feel loved. I don't feel blessed. Who cares how you feel? As soon as you quit caring about your feelings, your feelings will begin to line up. But then if you say, oh, well, that's what I wanted. Boy, here's my emotions. And now you leave the Word, you'll go back into the same problem. You just need to make a decision that, God, I don't care if I ever feel it. I don't care what it ever smells like. I don't care if anybody else can see it, It taste it, hear it, smell it, feel it. I don't care about anything. What does your Word say about me? It says that the fruit of my Spirit is love. You may feel hatred. You may be angry at somebody. Are you going to go on how you feel? Well, I've got to. Only if you're walking in the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, what's walking in the Spirit? The Spirit's always love. There's times that I guarantee you I want to punch people in the nose. That's the way my feelings are. But I've made a decision that I'm going to be and do what God says and I will to love a person. I guarantee you when Jesus died for you, John Francisco has that on that song. song. Jesus didn't die for you because it was fun. He hung there for love because it had to be done. And then the punchline to it is love is not a feeling, it's an act of your will. I guarantee you when Jesus was dying for us on the cross, Jesus didn't feel an emotional rush. He wasn't crying out of joy and out of feeling and emotion because he just saw all of this. Jesus was hurting. His emotions were going sideways. If he would have let his emotions dominate him, he'd have come down from the cross. But he did what he knew was right. He made a commitment and he made his emotions submit to it. Brothers and sisters, we're babies. We're grown adult brats that are letting our emotions dominate us. And I don't feel this way. I don't feel like I have power to help anybody. God says, that you got the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Why don't you do what he said? Go lay hands on somebody, rebuke it in the name of Jesus and hang your feelings. I've learned a long time. I've seen some of the greatest miracles I've ever seen when I felt terrible. Matter of fact, it's nearly when I feel terrible is when I see the biggest blessings. And you know why that is? Because when I feel it, man, when I can feel the anointing of the Lord, I mean the presence of the Lord is so real, everybody can feel it. You know what I tend to do? tend to say oh god i know it's going to happen tonight why because i feel it that's not as strong of faith as saying because your word says it i tend to put my faith it diverts over to my emotions now it shouldn't be that way but i'm saying that's the way it is with me and so the times that i feel nothing i've just learned to keep my mouth shut i don't tell you how i feel when I feel like, man, this person is going to die for sure. I just don't tell you how I feel. I'll speak over you what God's Word says. I'll say that if I lay hands on you, you're going to be healed. And I've seen, I have seen—I saw a man raised from the dead when I felt nothing. I've seen blind eyes open. I saw one guy healed one night and... He had just gotten born again. And then when he got born again, he came up and wanted to be able to see. And he had had his eyes, the lens and retina, surgically removed from both eyes. They were just glazed over. He didn't even have eyes. I mean, he had eyes, but the parts weren't there. My faith wasn't up to it. And I thought, this guy just got born again. It won't work. So I started telling him, Brother, you just believe God. We're going to start showing you the Word and you're going to begin to believe God and God will heal you. He says, I want to be healed right now. And I said, you just got born again. You need to enjoy that and just... And he kept pressing me. And finally, after a while, I says, what's the matter? Don't you believe God can heal me? Put me on the spot. So I said, all right, let's pray. But I didn't tell him. I just kept praying. And I said, you're healed in the name of Jesus. Then after I got through, I said, now look, if you don't see immediately, it doesn't mean God didn't heal you. And I started sharing what we shared last night about that the healing's there, now it's a matter of renewing your mind. And while I was preparing him for not being able to see anything, he says, I can see that clock on the wall. He started seeing. I didn't feel a thing. And yet we saw one of the greatest miracles that ever was against my feelings. And I could give you many, many examples of that. And yet most of you, if I was to ask you tonight to come pray for somebody you'd immediately... How do I feel? Do I feel faith? Do I feel like the anointing's here? You'd immediately begin to search your emotional realm. Am I excited? Am I built up? And if you couldn't feel it, you would quit believing because you don't—you can't perceive it. The truth is, God's power is always with you, and if you'd get to where you act on fact, on what God's Word says, instead of feeling, you'd see the power of God begin to operate and manifest itself in your life. If you'd quit going by your emotions... And just because you wake up, you feel bad. I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. And I'll go up and say, what are you depressed about? I don't know. I don't have a reason. I'm just depressed. Crazy. You don't even have a reason. You can't even justify it. You just feel that way. I know what some of you are thinking. I hate to even bring these things up. Some of you think, but you don't understand, brother. It's about two days a month that I'm just... My hormones are out of balance and I can't control it. It's a lie. God didn't make you that way. Those kind of things, I, I admit that they do happen, but medical doctors will tell you less than 5% of women have what they call PMS. 5% and yet 50 or 60% will claim it. And if you are one of those 5% that really have something physically wrong with you, you can get healed. You don't have to live that way. That is not the way God made you to be. There are not two days a month that you are justified in acting like the devil. (laughs) I've known some people that it was two and three weeks. I saw a woman in our local church who heard me minister on this and for two or three weeks she just acted like the devil and she took all kinds of medication for it. She got this one simple truth and grabbed hold of it and has been set free and has never, never had another mood swing because of it. God set her free. Somewhere It is actually physical, but it, I'd say that probably 99% of you in here that have been hiding behind that, it's nothing but a deception. You go to feeling depressed, you look for an excuse, you'll find one. That's just like men. Now, that, 20 years ago, nobody knew that you're supposed to have a midlife crisis. But now that it's talked about, anytime you get depressed, and it's just normal that a man at the age 40, 45, somewhere around there, all of a sudden, you re- you know, you've lost your hope and all of these goals. Now a lot of hard knocks have come at you, and you reevaluate, re- am I accomplishing my goals? In the vast majority of cases, you'll be discouraged and say, no, I haven't done it. And depression is a natural result, not because there's some chemical imbalance. It's because you've got your mind away from hope and you're in looking into this. You become negative and discouraged. And if you want to, if you're looking for a medical reason, you can accept one and get into depression. But that's not the way God made you to be. We, just, we say, well, I know that I'm supposed to be rejoicing with joy and speaking of one full of glory, but what we do is put a limit on it. Here's a fence. This will work if I don't have any problems. If the doctor doesn't tell me that this has happened, and if this doesn't happen, then I believe, yes, I'm healed. But if this happens, then we feel totally justified in being depressed and discouraged. Same thing with anger. We know that we're supposed to love each other, but you don't know who I live with. We say, sure, the word will work if I wasn't married. It's, God, it's that woman. That's what Adam did. See, it's the old Adam syndrome. It's that woman that you gave me. He passed the buck to somebody else and then ultimately blamed God. God, it's your fault. You're the one who gave her to me. There's people in here tonight doing the exact same thing. But look at my circumstances. You don't understand. I've got terrible circumstances. That's the reason I'm depressed. No, that's not the reason you're depressed. Circumstances cannot make you depressed. Outside things cannot control your emotions unless you let them control your emotions. It's your perception. You know, there was a prophecy that came forth back in one of my meetings back when uh, the interest rate was 20-something percent. And people, Christians, were panicking like, man, look at the interest rate, how are we ever going to make it? And the news was talking about inflation and interest rate and, man, that that was the number one evil. If we could solve inflation, all of our problems would be over. Now, did you know I've heard in the last year that people say inflation is not a factor? but does that mean that all of our problems are over? No, they've got new excuses now for distress and fear and panic. That's just a smoke screen. But anyway, during that time this prophecy came forth about all we're hearing is the unbelievers' side of the story. God gave us His side of the story. And He says the unbelievers are crying financial uh, crisis and collapse, but it's because the wealth of the ungodly is coming under the just. And He says the ungodly, you're listening to the ungodly's report. He said, look at it from the Christian standpoint. See, that was, I don't know, that's been a long time ago, and the Lord brought out CBN as an example. Millions and millions of dollars to run that thing. Oral Roberts' ministry at that time needed $8 million a month, $2 million a week to to exist. And all these other Christian networks. I got a satellite. There's over 13 24-hour Christian networks on that satellite. Where's all this money coming from? 20 years ago, nobody would have believed that Christians could have pulled that off. Christians now are competing in the secular realm. Yeah, there's financial crisis, but did you know that the body of Christ is prospering more than it ever has? More money is being pumped into the gospel. And when you started looking at things from that standpoint, you could actually get excited listening to the even news about how bad the crisis is because, see, that means that money's going somewhere. Where is it going? It's going to the believers. (laughs) It just depends on your perspective. Amen? Amen. Say, but you don't understand the situation with me. Well, you don't understand it. All you're doing is looking at the negative side. There's always a positive side to it. There's always a positive side to it. I've had situations happen in my ministry that I guarantee you I've had opportunity to quit, to give up, and I, I'm not perfect in this. I'm getting better, though. And I have literally turned it around to where when I see something traumatic happen, I mean, this is it. I've been told, close the doors, turn out the lights, go home, it's over. I've now got to a place that when I see that happen, I get excited because that means God's going to do something supernatural, miraculous. And I've actually got to a place that bad news excites me because I know I'm going to prosper and it just means that something exciting is going to happen. Every one of you could do that. Every one of you could do it. When cancer knocks on your door, instead of fear hitting you, why? Because you think about the people you know that died. You hear the stories of people that tried to believe God and it didn't work. See, it's just your perspective. You chose to think on the negative things. You chose to thought, think on the negative. I choose to think on the Word of God. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against me in judgment, I shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, thus saith the Lord. I choose to think that way. And did you know because of it, man, you can get excited. You can say, cancer, man, this is wonderful. God's going to work it together for good. I'm going to get healed in Satan. I'm going to rub your nose in this. You're going to regret that you ever touched God's anointing. You're going to regret that you ever did this to me because I am going to run you into the ground with this. You can get excited like that. There's examples in the Word of God of people doing those exact same things. You can do it. Some of you just made a lifestyle out of being depressed. Did you know if I gave a, if this is a typical group of people here tonight, I have no way of knowing, but I mean I've done this in churches. If I go into a spirit-filled, tongue-talking, word church and ask people to come forward that are depressed and fighting depression and discouragement, I can get at least a minimum. The smallest uh, invitation I've ever gotten on that is 80%. Sometimes 90% or more of you would come forward saying I've been fighting real discouragement. Did you know that the Baptists are doing better than that? That's terrible. And it, you know, one of the reasons that Spirit-filled people are so susceptible, because when you got Spirit-filled, you did get a rush. You did get an emotion. And all of a sudden, it's addictive. You want more of it. And it's easy to actually, we call ourselves word people, but if the truth is known, many of us are so immature, we're going by emotions, we're going by feelings, we're wanting a new zing, a new excitement. God's got to jump through a bigger hoop than He did last time. We've got to have, last time I fasted and I got three dreams and two revelations. Now I've got to have five dreams and see an angel. I mean, God, you've got to do something new in my life. Man, you ought to get so excited that if you ever saw an angel, you never have to see another one. God you don't have to jump through a hoop for me I believe it I believe it when I first came into the fact that God was alive and doing miracles I remember I heard about Kenneth Hagin having God appear to him and fire in his hands and he puts his hands on people And I may have this opposite but it's something like this that if the fire jumps between his hands then it's demons if there's no fire jumping it just burns in his hand but it doesn't jump from one to the other then it's a healing so he knows whether to minister healing or deliverance God told him he's a... I thought man that's neat I believe that God, I want a miracle. Oh, I started seeking and I wanted to see God and I wanted to have an angelic vision. And the Lord showed me out of John chapter 20 about Thomas and he appeared and, and to the disciples and the other disciples told Thomas, says, we've seen the Lord. And he says, unless I can see it, unless I can put my finger into the print of the nails, thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Some people say, why do I have trouble believing? Because you willed not to believe. It's a choice. If you are having trouble with unbelief, you've chosen it. Now, you may not have chosen, I don't want to believe, but you chose to go by your feelings instead of by what the Word says. You, cho- you made some wrong choices somewhere. That's the reason that you're where you are. Your life is a series of choices. If you're depressed and discouraged, you've chosen depression. You may not have said, I want to be depressed, but you chose to think on things that depress you carnal mind is death. It doesn't just tend towards death. It doesn't just lead in that direction. The carnal mind is death. You think carnally, that means according to your five senses, what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, and you'll be depressed. But on the other hand, to be spiritually minded is life and peace, Romans 8, 6. It didn't say it tends towards it. It leads in that direction. Sometimes you'll obtain to it. It is life and peace. If you are thinking spiritually, you're going to have life and peace. That's all you can get. You can't get wheat if you sow corn in your field. You're going to reap what you sow. If you're depressed, you've sown depressing thoughts. You've been thinking on things that are depressed. You've chosen to do that. It was a choice. I'm not saying I'm not trying to condemn you, and I'm just saying that the responsibility lies with us. If you think the words you get, word results. If you are spiritually minded, it produces life and peace. If you aren't having life and peace, I don't care how it happened. You may have justification for it. Maybe you were brought up in a terrible situation. There could be a thousand reasons, but the bottom line is your thinking is wrong. You think what the Word says, you see yourself the way the Word says, and you'll be blessed. So see, Thomas said, I will not believe. He chose that. And the Lord appeared to him, and Thomas fell down and he said my lord and my god and the lord said to him thomas because you saw you believed yea rather blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed and the lord used that scripture to show me he says if you keep pressing you can get an angelic dream or a vision or a visitation you can have fire jump between your hands but there's a greater blessing if you would believe without seeing without feeling without your senses he says the choice is yours do you want God's best or do you want something less? Man, I, I said, God, forgive me. I'm going to believe. I'm going to be one of these people that you don't ever have to send an angel to confirm something. Now, if God wants to do it to me, that's fine. I'm not rejecting anything that God's got, but no longer is it a criteria. No longer is it something I want. God, you don't have to prove it to me. I don't have to feel a goosebump to believe that you love me. Man, the fact that Jesus died for me and what he went through, I'll never ask you for a goosebump and put more faith and importance in what I feel than what Jesus did. I'll never insult you by doing that. I'm never going to go by the fact that I don't feel anointed. I used to come into church services and we used to pray, Oh God, we ask you to anoint me tonight. Oh God, just let the anointing of God be on me. Probably every last one of you have prayed those things. Tom hadn't asked me to pray that but in most churches, they do. They take me into a little room over here. You need to be alone with the Lord. And I tell them, look, if I hadn't got it by now, I'm not going to get it in the next 30 minutes, amen?
1: <laughs> I said, hang that. I'd rather be
0: out here visiting with the people. But I used to pray, oh, God, anoint me. And then one night as we were praying, the Lord just spoke to me. He says, the anointing which you have received of Him abides within you. 1 John two twenty seven. Out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I believe it's verse 20-something right around there, it says, He that hath anointed us is God. It's all in the past tense. And the Lord just spoke to me. He says, when I called you, I anointed you. It would be unjust to call you to do something and not give you the anointing, which just means the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit to do it. God would be unjust to give me a call and not give me His ability to do it with. I was saying, oh God, give me your ability. God, anoint me. I was starting from a position of unbelief. To pray a prayer like that, you have to say, God, I am not anointed. I'm automatically in opposition to what the Word says. So I disagree, I get over in unbelief, and now I'm going to get anointed starting in unbelief. It doesn't make good sense. You know, since then, it's been 20-something years. I've never asked God to anoint me. What I do is say, Father, I thank you that he that hath anointed me is God. Just like Jesus said, Luke 4, 18, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I quote what's already a reality in my spirit. In my spirit, I do have joy unspeakable and full of glory, and if I don't feel it out here in my emotions, I tell my emotions, You're wrong. I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to be who I am in Christ Jesus. And I just stay steady in the Holy Spirit. When I feel sick, I say, body, I don't care what we feel like, I'm healed by the stripes of the Lord Jesus. I've got the same virtue in me that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and I will not submit to the dictates of this flesh. And there's been times that it's hard. I remember when I first came into this, I got the Bible one night and because I didn't want to lay in bed and act sick, even though I felt like being in bed, I got down on the floor and I didn't want to just lay down on the floor and go to sleep, but I couldn't stand up. I was too sick to stand up, so I got on my hands and knees and read the Word and I was so sleepy, I felt like falling asleep. So to keep from falling asleep, I'd get on my hands and knees and scoot around the room and I did that in circles all night long, quoting, by his stripes I'm healed, looking up scriptures because I wasn't going to act sick. Some of you, I think that's a little drastic. That's the reason I hadn't been sick in about 15 years. That's the reason I haven't had any medication in my body since I was eight years old, not even an aspirin. That's the reason. is because I am a little dramatic, amen? I'm a little fanatical about it. And some, well, I just don't want to do it. Well, be sick. You don't have to do it that way, but I'm saying that everybody, there comes a time when are your emotions going to win or is fat going to win? Are you going to just sit down and put your body in bed and and pamper it and let your wife rub your fevered brow and pop sodas and take pills and watch TV. Are you going to do that or are you going to believe that you're healed? Heal people don't lay in bed and do that during the day. But I feel this way. Who cares? Bridle your body with your tongue. Most of us, feelings are it. That's the ultimate. Not so. God said in John 14, verse 1, Jesus was speaking to His disciples, "...let not your heart be troubled." Some of us say, but man, the situation that I'm in, you don't know what's happened to me. Most of us will say, I am justified to be depressed, troubled. God said, let not your heart be troubled. If you were to diagram that sentence in English, you would have to put you as the understood subject of that sentence. You, let not your heart be troubled. God would not give you a command to do something that you don't have the power to do. You can make the choice. He said in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, He said, Behold, I call heaven and earth the record against you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your seed after you may live. God said He gave you the choice. Satan can't make the choice. Satan cannot make you angry. Satan cannot make you depressed. Satan cannot make you defeated. Satan cannot make you hopeless. Satan cannot make you sick. Satan can't do anything. All he can do is put pressure, give you the temptation. God said He gave you the choice, and God won't make it for you. He said you have the choice. You can choose what you want to be. If you're fighting things and you've submitted to the lies of psychiatrists and things like that, and you are saying, well, I'm just emotionally unstable, you can be that way if you want to be, or you can be blessed you can begin to start going around saying, I have the mind of Christ. Some of you think, well, you're just preaching mind over matter. No, you can't do this just in mental power. But when you make the decision and put your mind on the right things and mix that with faith, which is what's missing, see, in the other stuff where it tells you it's just your thinking. When you mix it with faith, boy, the power of God will be manifested. I've got a friend that was born again in a mental ward, in the psych ward. He was so strung out on drug, drugs, he didn't have a memory. He didn't remember where he'd come from, who he was, where he was going, anything. He was raised in an alcoholic family, and he would stay at home three and four months at a time wearing just nothing but the underwear he had on. His family, they didn't feed him anything. He, would, he was facing malnutrition, and every once in a while, the... Uh, Truant officers would come check on him and they'd go get him and give him some uh, goodwill clothes and they'd send him to uh, school until his clothes wore out and then he'd be back that way. He didn't do very good in school. He was a total mess, strung out on drugs and in the psych ward. He got born again in the psych ward, but he didn't know who he was. He didn't have a past. He didn't have a future. He was blessed. He wasn't like most of us that get born again in our spirit, but we got the same old unrenewed mind up here telling us, well, you still can't do this. He didn't know what he could do. He didn't know what he couldn't do. He was just born again. So he decided, I've got to be somebody. He started reading the Bible, and whatever he read about Jesus, he just decided, that's who I am. When he read that Jesus could heal the sick, he says, well, praise God, I'm like Jesus. I'm a Christian. I can heal the sick. When he read that Jesus was blessed and that Jesus desired that we prosper and be in health, did you know that that man now pastors a church 14 years after he was born again in a psych ward? 14 years later, he pastors a church of over 2,000 people, and he gives away. He just got through with a $4 million building program, and in the year that he built this church and spent $4 million to get the church built, he averaged giving away $30,000 per month Pretty good for a guy that grew up in poverty, but see, he didn't just—he didn't have this mindset that I'm poor. He just began to start thinking all things are possible. He didn't have his mind there to mess him up the way a lot of us do. Man, the best thing could have happened was if we lost our mind.
1: <laughs>
0: and you know that's what the Bible tells us to do. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It says, deny yourself, die to self. What that's talking about is don't go around being defeated and depressed and religiously, falsely humble. That's just talking about. Just quit being who you used to be and be who you are in the Spirit. You're a beautiful person in the Spirit. Every last one of you have power, joy unspeakable and full of glory. you got the anointing of God. And if you'd begin to start seeing who you are in Christ and say, that's who I'm going to be, that's the way I'm going to feel, that's the way I'm going to act. Some of you would feel at first like, this is nothing but a... I'm faking it. Well, from your perspective, it is faking it because you think that what you feel is reality. But if you're acting that way based on the Spirit, then you aren't really faking it. Matter of fact, you're faking it when you go by your feelings because that's not the real you. You're a hypocrite when you go by how you feel. If you're depressed and say, well, I'm just discouraged, well, then you, you old hypocrite, you aren't being who God made you to be. You're acting on your emotions instead of who you really are in Christ Jesus. And you're just allowing Satan to blow you around. You're unstable. Who knows if you're going to be up or down. Man, most Christians' life is like this, just one roller coaster after another, and we've developed doctrines to support it, that God brings you up to the mountain to give you a little glimpse, but it's down in the valley where you grow. So God wants you to come down in the valley. If there wasn't any rain, flowers wouldn't grow. Where did we ever get this thing that rain is bad? You've never been a farmer. Rain's a blessing, amen. We've developed all kinds of doctrines to justify how God wants you to go through this dry spell. God's teaching you something. And we've got all these reasons, but the truth is, God said that he would exalt the valleys and make the mountains low. Now, if you bring the the valleys up and the mountains low, that means smooth sailing, amen? You ought to be a consistent Christian. And brothers and sisters, I I please don't want you to misunderstand. I am not saying I've arrived, that I've got it all together, but I've left, praise God's what I'm saying. It's better than it used to be. And I've reached a place where I can tell you I've been through some hard times. I've had some things happen to me this year that if it would have happened to me five years ago, I would have told you I couldn't have survived it. I couldn't have lived through it. I mean it was devastating. It would have made me quit. And yet when it came when it came down to it, what was I going to do? Forsake what I know? Forsake who I am and what's happened in my life? I couldn't do it. And I wound my I wound up praising God and being the same right through it. If a person asked me, How are you? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I don't believe anybody's heard me gripe. I hadn't put out a gripe. I hadn't complained. I guarantee you, I'm blessed. And because of it, it's working. Amen? And all of these things are just temporary. That's what the Bible says. It came to pass. That's the reason it came, so that it could pass. Amen? It's just temporary. It's no big deal. It came to pass. And it's going to pass. And I'm blessed. And I'm still the same as who I am in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what the devil does to me. Shoot your best shot, devil. I mean, if you kill me, I've already had a blessed life. I've already seen more happen than I would have ever thought could have happened before. If the devil kills me right now, I'm blessed. If I win, I win. And if I lose, I win. I get promoted to glory. Amen? If the devil hit me with cancer, I'm going to rejoice and praise God because I'm going to get healed. And if for some reason my faith didn't work, who cares? I'd go to be with Jesus. That's better off. I can't lose for winning. It's a mindset. I'm blessed. I'm healed. I'm prosperous. God's on my side. And it doesn't matter what it looks like, smells like, feels like. That's the truth. The Word of God is how I feel. When I want to know how I feel, this is how I feel. Amen? You can live like that, brothers. That's the normal Christian life. Very few Christians are living a normal Christian life. We're up and down. They said this to me. They hurt my feelings. We need to pull a pacifier out of our mouth and go to growing up. And I know that this really unsettles some people who have become very dependent on their emotions and they've settled into something where they've got all of these things that prop them up emotionally and, and this is unsettling to them and you're thinking I'm denying all of these feelings and emotions. I am an emotional person. I'm one of these that I watch Bambi and I cry over something like that when Bambi's mother dies. It gets. I'm a very emotional person. I've got many emotions, but I guarantee you they do not rule my life. I am not a hardened person. When I had people first reject me in the ministry and threaten to kill me, I got people that put a death warrant out. If I ever step on their property, they'll kill me. I've got people that hate me, that do... I've got a national known minister that every person in here, if I call their name, you'd know who they are, that they they preach and proclaim it from the housetop, that I am the slickest Jim Jones that ever came along. They make that announcement once a year in their church and do everything they can to destroy me. I've had some things happen to me such as that. And I have felt hurt. But the Lord just told me, I was one time saying, God, I'm going to get to a place where nobody can offend me, nobody can hurt me, nothing will ever destroy me. And long after I thought I should have arrived there, I still got hurt by a friend. And I said, God, what's wrong with me? I thought I was more mature than this. And he just spoke to me and he says, I don't want you to become so hardened that you can't be hurt. He says, I want you to be soft. He says, it ought to hurt you when people reject you. But I just don't want you to let those hurts dominate you. Don't ever let it dictate to you how you feel. When you feel that hurt, just cast it over on me and let me heal you. And it set me free. I've got emotions, and I don't deny that my emotions exist. I just deny them the right to dictate anything to me. If you come up tonight and tell me that I'm a jerk and you disagree with everything I've said, you'll hurt me. But you won't change me. You aren't going to influence me, and it won't last more than a fleeting second because I'll pass it over on the Lord. But I'm a sensitive person. I don't like rejection more than anybody else does. I am not a hardened, insensitive person. I'm very sensitive, but I also have learned that I can walk in the Spirit regardless of what I feel like. And the Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, Strong meat... Maturity is what it's talking about. Belongs to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Your senses do not always, always have to be contrary to God's Word. You can actually renew them. You can get your physical senses to where you enjoy the things of God more than you enjoy the things of the devil. You can get to where you enjoy feeling good more than you do enjoy being depressed. <laughs> Some of you are laughing at that, but honestly, you feel comfortable being depressed. You don't feel comfortable being blessed. So you gravitate back to what's normal with you. There's some of you that have a poverty mentality. This man that I was telling you about, he's now giving away thirty, 000, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a month. His mother and father got born again. His father died two years ago, but his mother is still in the church, and when his father died, she inherited over $70,000. That woman had been an alcoholic all of her life, Never has had anything. She's in her 60s. She had it made. She inherited over $70,000 through an insurance policy that paid off. You'd have thought that woman was blessed. But did you know, and she loves the Lord. She's a friend of mine. I'm not saying this to be critical of her. But she had a poverty mentality. She saw herself poor. She had been poor all of her life. And did you know in one year's time, she was broke again. There are some of you thinking, oh man, if I could just win the lottery. If this would happen, I'd be blessed. But no, it's the way you think. Your finances reflect the way you think. And if somebody was to give you a million dollars today, you would eventually be right back where you are right now because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. On the other hand, you could take a man that had a million dollars and was a millionaire and yet saw himself blessed and prosperous. You could take it all away. He could file bankruptcy. And if that man thinks that he's prosperous and he sees himself that way, he'll be back there. And the greatest millionaires, the most successful people that we have in society today have been bankrupt more than once. They've been through more adversity than you have, but it's a mindset. They are prosperous. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. Are you sick? It doesn't matter if they come up with a miracle cure for your disease. You're going to be sick again because you think sick. You think in ways that allow sickness to dominate you. On the other hand, you can begin to start thinking what God's Word says and you'll be what God says that you will be. You can control yourself, but you have to exercise these senses to discern good and evil. It's like running or lifting weights. It isn't going to happen all at once. You can't get inspired and tonight go home and pray for 30 minutes and say, bless God, this is the way I'm going to be and then go back to your same old lifestyle, plug yourself into the same unbelief, the same junk that you listen to and meditate on and and expect to be this way next week. It's going to take exercise. It's going to take consistency. You're going to have to make some lifestyle changes. You are as you've been thinking in your heart and you need to change your thinking. And the way you do it is through the Word. What does God's Word say about you? That's the way I am. Go to God's Word. What does God say you have? That's what you've got. And you begin to start believing it. And you know what? If you'll mix that with faith, nothing can stop you. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. I guarantee you, you do what we talked about tonight. Miracles, blessings will begin to abound in your life. They will come upon you and overtake you. That's what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 28. Most Christians are chasing the miracles. Most of you come to meetings like this, man, desperate, with your tongue hanging out, God, I need a miracle. Well, that's fine once or twice because everybody's got to start somewhere, but every time? That's not the way God made it to be. Instead of us pursuing the blessings, it ought to be to such a place that, man, you just can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. You can't lift your foot without being blessed. Everything you do is blessed. Everything you set your hand unto is blessed. God's already commanded that on you. The only thing that keeps it from being a reality is right here. The warfare is right between your ears. It's not even the devil. The devil's involved in it, but ultimately the warfare is right here. You are not believing what God says about you. You need to begin to start seeing yourself like Jesus says, and you won't get it watching TV. You're going to have to get into God's Word and start believing what God's Word says. And your flesh may scream... But who cares? Amen. Your flesh is giving you nothing but problems. You need to give it a few problems. Amen. Tormented. Mortified. That's what the Bible says. Y'all receive that? Yeah. You know, I've been real blunt with what I've said tonight. Some of you may take it as being offensive, but I just really believe that, man, you can't get this by just being sweet and nice to people. Sometimes you got to tell it like it is. Some of us need to be confronted that our whole attitude, our whole mindset is not God's. It is a worldly point of view. We are thinking wrong and it, it's, we need drastic surgery. We don't need a Band-Aid. Amen. We don't need a splinter pulled out. This is major surgery and you need to be confronted with it. So I, it was done in love. I hope none of you take it as offense, but praise God we need to change. Amen. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719 635 1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is
1: yours through God's grace.